Welcome to the FemiPod. These are conversations about females for everyone to listen to, learn from and engage with. Brought to you by your Femi founders, Esther Kewen and myself, Lydia Adol. Welcome back to the FemiPod. This is episode 48 and uh, it has been a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks since we were last on here chatting. Esther and I have had a bit of a break from work and obviously a step back from the podcast for a couple of weeks just to have uh, a reset. I think it was very overdue, but um, we're excited to be back. And of course, I've got Esther here with me. How are you, Esther? I'm good, thanks, Lids. Yeah, really pumped to be back. It feels like we've been off the pod for a very long time, but it has only been three weeks. That's still, you know, when we're there every week in your ears, I can, I'm sure some of you have missed us dearly and we've missed you as well, but really excited to be back. We've got a really cool convo today, but yeah, what's been happening with me? Vyra and my partner is really stable at the moment, so all is going well there and he's recovered pretty well so far, which is great news. Running is going well. I feel like I'm getting fitter again and it's just fun coming back from COVID and all the things that happened in life. I, I quite like comebacks. So I'm excited and it's fun watching your fitness get better and you get faster. It's exciting. Cause I feel like when you're at your peak fitness quite often, you don't see big changes. So it is quite nice to, you know, be seeing that progress, which is cool. I've got a race on Sunday at the City to city to surf in Tauranga. I'll be running 11Ks and then the Kerry Kerry Half where I'm going with a couple of the Femi gals, which will be really cool. And yeah, just like, you know, enjoying life by the beach, summertime's coming, hanging out with the animals, that sort of thing. What about you, Lids? What's been happening over in Noosa? Uh, yeah, it's been good to have a bit of a break. I actually went on holiday for uh, a couple of weeks. I went to Bali and had a nice relaxing time over there. And I don't know, I think it's, good to be in a really healthy place with my running at the moment where I don't mind taking time off. Um, I think a few years ago, I would have really stressed about going over, uh, especially to somewhere like Southeast Asia, where it can be quite hard to get out and train. I would have been quite stressed about taking that break, but I was over there and super relaxed about it. And I just ran every couple of days when I wanted to and mixed my training up a bit. I was doing some at-home workouts and went to the gym a few times. So it's not like I wasn't moving my body. I was just doing it in a different way. And it was really refreshing. And I think it's really helped my relationship with running, even just coming back and getting back into things. I have been kind of fatigued since I've been back, which has been hard. And also being a nooser, it's been really hot and humid here, making training kind of difficult. But uh, you know, my love for running is there and I am excited to get up each day and, and get out the door, which is not a nice feeling, um, especially coming from a place at times where I have kind of struggled with that relationship. So training is good. I am planning on racing in the next couple of weeks as well. I just um, want to see how the next few weeks of training goes, um, but I'm heading over to NZ and looking at running a 10K on the track over there, which will be fun. But yeah, other than that, it's been nice to have a whole lot good good holiday and then come back into work and get amongst things at Femi. We've had a lot going on over the last couple of months and that is probably one of the reasons why we, we took a good break. It was because we had a lot on before we went on holiday and uh, we had obviously Startmate for those who have been across our journey with Startmate. We were part of the accelerator program from July for three months. So it was a huge opportunity for us at Femi to be part of that accelerator program, but it was a lot of pressure, a lot of work, 
And then on October the 12th, we had demo day where Est and I got up on stage and uh, we actually presented to about 300 to 400 people, mostly investors about Femi and the future of Femi and the products that we are creating. So that was exciting, <laughs> uh, nerve wracking, but fun. And I think it was something that Est, you and I were like, extremely nervous about it's funny because we perform so regularly in sport but it's a totally different feeling when you're getting up on stage and just speaking to people and um it was a fun experience and I think for us just really pushed our boundaries around our belief in ourselves and what we are capable of I know that's definitely how I felt yeah definitely same I think definitely felt the nerves and I think we were lucky with you know the room that was in front of us there was a bunch of very excited people and they were cheering and it was just a really good atmosphere. So I think that calmed us down the minute we got on stage, I was actually, you know, having a ball, but prior to that, and we were 10th out of 12. So we were sort of like standing around watching everyone finish and grabbing a champagne and being all happy because they've done their speech and Liz and I are like, ah, let's get up there and hurry up and get it done. But it was like so fun and definitely really enjoyed it. I think public speaking is like one of those things that is really nerve wracking and some people really struggle with it. And I I think I definitely do sometimes, but the more I do it, the more I actually realize that it's fun. And I think, gosh, we both knew that speech, like the back of our hand. I reckon we practice like over a hundred times. And I reckon both of us have laughed about how we're going to remember the speech when we're like 90, 90 years old and we'll be reciting it, you know? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, it was really cool. Absolutely loved it enjoyed it and um yeah we've got a lot going on at the moment but also just a little update on Femi Theory the course so Femi Theory's been out in the world now since September we've had good traction so far we are evolving the course as we go so we've got lots of plans on where that course is going to go and what it's going to focus on next so stay tuned for that but if you are wanting to become a better coach, better trainer, even just a better athlete and understand your own body better, Femi Theory is the place to do that. We've had some interviews with some of the people who have finished the course so far and the feedback has been phenomenal. So we'll be sharing that on social soon. But yeah, if you've been thinking about it and questioning doing it, do it because exactly what we said the outcomes would be has been the feedback we've got so far and coaches feeling like they have the confidence to go and speak to women about menstrual cycles and mental health and that's exactly what we wanted from the course so we are getting the results we want and if you're thinking about it go do it (laughs) yeah it's been awesome to get that course out there and just start getting feedback from people who have been doing it so thank you to everybody who signed up to do the course so far and yeah if you have any thoughts and feedback on the course if you've done it definitely get in touch and another very exciting update from us which you may have seen on socials is that we've launched our own sports period underwear so I've always been a huge fan of period underwear I think with someone who has a relatively heavy menstrual cycle I've kind of always had that nervousness when it comes to competing or even training or when I am actually on my period and I've tested and tried a few different period underwears, but I've always had like I guess issues around the way that they feel and the way that they look under tights. And so Esther and I really wanted to develop our own sports period underwear where women could use it 
they felt really comfortable in the way it looked and the way it worked for them. Um, and we teamed up with Mint Global, a New Zealand-founded menstrual product company. And we were able to work really closely with Bruna, the founder there, uh, and tested and trialed different ways that this period underwear could work for women in sport. And we've come up with something pretty amazing. So the period underwear is now out, it's now live. It's 29 New Zealand dollars to purchase. You can go to our website to purchase the underwear. And uh, yeah, for me, it just creates that like safety net, I guess. It doesn't mean that I will stay away from, you know, using tampons, especially if I'm racing long distance races. But the fact that you have that as almost a backup to feel like secure or any issues are going to come out of, you know, exercising for a long amount of time, um, the period underwear is, is incredible for that. So very excited to be launching that one as well. Definitely. It's so good. Oh, I think I trialed wearing period undies once and they were those ones that just look like a big nappy. <laughs> oh gosh. I remember looking at myself and being like, oh, like I'm going to do it anyway because I don't care. But then like I would never do that in front of a group of friends. I was running by myself around some trails. So it was fine. But yeah, it's just really nice to have a pair of period underwear that doesn't look like a giant nappy. So yeah, really soaked with the product. Yeah, so the ones that we've developed is a G-string or a thong, if you want to call it. So there's no like undie lines because that is a G-string. So you can't even see, you wouldn't even know that a female was wearing the period underwear, which is awesome. But we will jump deep in today's conversation. So today, there's obviously a lot going on in the world around female sport and especially here in Australia around the importance of female teams and athletes working with particular brands and a lot of that at the moment is in the media around Australian netball and the changes that have happened over the last few weeks are with the sponsorship deal falling through with Gina Reinhardt's company Hancock so Es do you want to jump into a little bit more detail about what has been going on here in Aussie um, and then we can jump into kind of our thoughts and opinions around this whole controversy. For sure. Yeah, it was a bit of a shocker, wasn't it? A lot of media coverage about it and rightly so, I think. Uh, it just shows there's, you know, there's some misalignment between brands and teams and individual athletes, which needs to be addressed. And it's, it's a really important issue. But what happened in Australia was the $15 million deal, which was going to be over four years for Australian netball uh, fell through and that was with like let's say before Gina Reinhardt's company Hancock and that's a, like a mining company um, that's been around for years and years and worth a hell of a lot of money so basically what happened was an indigenous player her name is Donnell Wallum and she's one of very few in the Australian netball scene and she'd lined up to make her Diamonds debut in the upcoming series against England. And she'd said she was uncomfortable wearing a uniform that the Hancock Prospecting logo was on. And the reasons for that is because of the comments made by Reinhardt's father. And his name's Lang Hancock. And this was in the 1980s. And I'm sure some of you have heard or seen the videos of what he said and... It's absolutely disgusting. But he infamously said in 1984 that Indigenous Australians should be sterilised to breed themselves out in coming years. So some really horrendous comments that no wonder someone who is an Indigenous person to Australia feels uncomfortable to wear something 
from a company where someone said something like that. So the really frustrating thing is that um, Aussie Netball had put several proposals to Reinhardt to basically give uh, Wallum an exemption to wear the uniform so that she didn't have to wear something that made her feel really uncomfortable. And they'd also invited the company to make a statement that would distance themselves from the comments made by Gina's father. But there was no exemption granted and the company didn't decide to distance themselves from the comments made and they never have. And I think that just speaks volumes about potentially what they still believe or how hard is it to really just say that we don't stand by those comments. It's not very difficult. And it's it's strange that they didn't want to find resolution and instead just pulled the sponsorship. So I know that, Liz, you were saying before, and I've seen the media, they've found another sponsor. <laughs> There's some more controversy around that, but at least Aussie Netball's kind of out of out of that situation where they were probably quite worried about their future and their financial status for the players. So that's one positive out of it all. But a really important quote, which sort of like focuses on that misalignment of values and like this company. Uh, that Gina Reinhart owns, like what they believe sport to be is what we completely do not believe sport to be. So she she said, they consider that it is unnecessary for sports organisations to be used as a vehicle for social or political causes and that Netball Australia is virtue signalling, which means the action or practice of publicly expressing opinions or sentiments intended to demonstrate one's good character or the moral correctness of one one's position on a particular issue. So I just think she's so far off the ball there and sports always been a vehicle for social political change. And that's just the history of sport. And the more that companies get behind that, the better, because I think if you don't, you're going to be left behind. And, and the other funny thing is that she says it's virtue signaling, which I don't think Donnell was trying to look good Indigenous people of Australia have been treated really badly and she's standing up for something that needs to be stood up for. So there's absolutely no, she's not trying to look good. She's literally expressing her opinion and things that have happened in the past are completely unjust and haven't haven't been rectified. I think it's been a blessing in disguise for Netball Australia to get out of a deal with, with that company. Yeah, I mean, it's so crazy and I feel like we can dive pretty deep into so many things here, but like, the first thing I want to say is I I just can't imagine this entire situation happening if this was a man's sports team. Like the fact that it's a female sports team and they've just walked away from this deal when they're losing out on this huge opportunity to be aligning themselves amongst, you know, the Australian netball team is the best netball team in the world currently. And they've just walked away from that because they can't rectify these things that the, her father had said. And racism you know that's kind of underlying their company they they need to do something and they need to make change and and this would have been a huge opportunity for them to start making that change and having these conversations and they've just lost out on that opportunity and I just feel like for male sports brands are like gagging to be working with these teams yet you know in female sports people are just walking away because they're scared of doing something that maybe goes against their norm which is crazy in itself but yeah you're right like Danelle was not you know trying to look good in herself she was just trying to push back on something that made her feel uncomfortable and stand up for her culture and it's just so crazy that um that it came to this and I think the fact that Gina thinks that sport is not a vehicle to make change just probably shows her age and her lack of understanding around the incredible power that sport has and you know 
it's just amazing to see how many athletes and in particular female athletes and now creating a voice of their own to make change beyond just the sport that they're playing or known for. And I think that's just this huge power in what sport currently has. And and I think will show like the future of what sport is going to do as well, which is really exciting for all of us. Mm. We do have the power and it's going to change and the landscape is changing slowly, isn't it? Like it's, we're seeing more and more women come forward and really speak up about what they believe in. And I think, you're bang on about the fact it shows her age because she's not keeping up with the times. And unfortunately, companies that don't keep up with the changing landscape are going to get left behind. And I would love to go a little bit deeper on like what you think is causing the changing landscapes and what the generation coming through is is thinking and, and how they're leading the way. Yeah, so I, I recently read a really interesting article. Um, it's called Disrupt Hers, Disrupt Hers, um, and it's written by... Nancy Lowe, and she's a leader at the University of Nevada, um, Las Vegas, and she is the leader of sports research and innovation initiatives. So she is incredible in the way she has kind of pulled together this research paper explaining the way that the media and sporting landscape is changing, and a lot of that is driven around the digitization of sport and the way that uh, people are interacting with social media and the way that people are actually finding sport and uh, becoming fans of sport and athletes in such a different way to the traditional norm of, of media. And so she speaks a lot around how sport is like this microcosm of society and how like meaning we see these attitudes and behaviors signaling how women are valued. They they are being played out in a really visible way when we look at how women are treated in sport. And this kind of talks to how when we see women that are being mistreated or not treated appropriately or undervalued in sport, that is kind of like a representation of how women are being treated in, in society and in all industries. And that's why sport is so powerful because it is at the forefront of a lot of media stories. Um, and so the way that it is changing is really exciting in sport because we know that if we can change it in sport, then it will change in other industries as well. There's a few really interesting quotes that I'll pull from this paper, which I want to read through and then we can have a bit of a chat about. And I think the first one is like how the sporting landscape is changing. This quote says, the normative model of sport was created by men for men, run by men, and that upholds the privilege hierarchy and status quo of men's sport in relation to women's sport. Not only is the dominant model of sport by and for men, but that same model is used in the marketing and promotion of women's sport, and we argue unsuccessfully. If the men's model worked for growing, marketing, and promoting women's sport, women's sport would be equally as lucrative and popular. Women's sport and women athletes have had to rely on traditional models and process processes in order to be seen and taken seriously. And as a result, or should we say lack of results, have grown tired, skeptical, disillusioned and restless. And I think, you know, that just shows that like for a very long time, women have been pushed to the background in sport. But now, and we'll go more into this, the fact that we have our own tools through the likes of social media to create our own voices, uh, we are being able to kind of change this landscape and push women to the forefront and market women in a completely different way to, to men, which is exciting. Yeah, it's so exciting. And I think 
although social media can be dangerous place it's such a blessing in helping women band together because I think there's probably been this a common thought among women for a long time that we're treated not equally and especially in sport and other industries of course but sport is like one of the worst for gender inequality and there's probably been this common thought that this is unfair um and how do we change it because you know she talked about it being made by men for men and every system that we are in is made by men for men but then now we've got this digital age where people can connect and get around each other and we're seeing all these different cool companies uh, come forward that are bringing women together and creating like a mass voice for women and I just am so excited for the next next like 10 years and what it's going to do because it's already catching on so much and there's this big wave of momentum and things are being called out and women are getting behind each other and supporting each other and it's only just the beginning but I think you know social media has had a massive part to play in it and giving us this opportunity to like call out things that are unfair and then obviously getting everyone behind it as well. Definitely. Like if we think about the traditional norms of how sport has been put out to the world, you know, through broadcast media, the media industry is run by men, the sports industry is run by men. So of course, like men who have control over what is being broadcasted are going to show male athletes and male teams competing against each other. And then men are going to engage with that more so than women. And so that's why when you speak to people and they're like, you know, men just earn more or get more covered because it's, it's more exciting to watch. They're just stronger and fitter and fast athletes. And it's like, no, you just relate to them more because you know them better Um, because they're the ones who have been on our TV forever. But if we can actually think about this world of where like women now have the power to put themselves in a position where people can actually get to know them better, people are actually going to be more engaged. And when they are competing, more people are going to want to actually watch female sport. Um, It's just going to revolutionize the entire sporting industry and the way we actually consume sport. Because if broadcast media can't keep up and aren't going to put women in a position to actually get the coverage like men are, then people are going to turn to different forms of media to find that coverage. And I think when we think about, you know, the next generation or Gen Z, the way they are interacting with media these days, it isn't around traditional norms of media and broadcast media. It's not turning on the TV and watching a game of sport. It's turning to social media or other new forms of media that is telling a completely different story to what is on broadcast media. And I think, that is exciting and something that I don't think a lot of people are aware of the impact that is going to have in another five or 10 years. And we talk about Gen Z are these incredibly aware, self-aware human beings, and they really pay a lot more attention to the value that athletes hold and their, their values and what they stand for actually probably more than their performance these days, which is pretty incredible. And something even, you know, you and I just talk about a lot is like, we don't necessarily run anymore to be like the best runners. Like, of course we love performing and, you know, running fast, but there's so much more to it. And it is like trying to make change in other areas in our lives and push back on norms and, and make change for other people um, through the act of sport. And I think Gen Z are aware of that. And, and I think that's also going to change like how we pay attention to sport and athletes over time. And this is a really exciting quote as well, um, talking about Gen Z and the way they are 
valuing gender equality specifically. So when we asked how important gender equity is personally, 82% of Gen Z respondents reported believing it to be very important compared to 63% of their baby boomer counterparts. Gen Z has been found to view the sexualization of women and persistent gender stereotypes around women's abilities and roles as the top barriers to gender equality. Moreover, while older generations tend to place responsibility for achieving gender equity on the shoulders of women, 59% of male Gen Zers believe it is men that have a larger role to play. And that's when it comes to gender equality, which I think probably ties into Gina Reinhart's issues and her thinking around like the power of sport and creating this gender equal uh, position. Mm. Man, it's crazy. Like even in those generations that just the difference in what they believe is insane. And like when we did that scholarship program, Liz, we talked about it and how incredibly self-aware the women were that we were working with and how inspirational it was. And I was like, man, when I think back to when I was 15, I just had no idea what was happening in the world. And then speaking to these incredible women, they are so onto it. They're so aware of all the issues and they're excited to make change because they're the ones coming through that are going to do that. But I just think it's really also inspiring to hear about the young boys in Gen Z. They see the responsibility that they have in making change to a system, whereas the boomers sort of just brush it off, not to do with me, leave it all on the shoulders of women. But you think of like what women have been through to battle to have some form of equal rights and we still are, have a far way to go. This system everything we do has been made by men. Of course, there is a responsibility for men to help women become equal or have equal rights in every industry. So I just think it's really, really exciting to see that Gen Z males know that they have a part to play because this is something we've been battling against with trying to get Femi out there. Femi's ideas, a lot of them are changing a complete mindset in the way people have thought their whole lives. And the most battles we've had is with baby boomer men. And they un- they sort of understand what we're trying to do, but I just don't think they've had the lived experience. Potentially, they don't see the responsibility that they have in making change to the system. So they don't take much action uh, in terms of making a difference. But yeah, that's really exciting. Those numbers are cool. I think like the, I guess, frustrating and saddest thing when I think about kind of that baby boomer generation or people who don't really want to um, open their mind up to doing something differently is the fact they're just going to get left behind like this movement to female empowerment and this idea about sport becoming a powerhouse for generational change across so many different systems is going to happen no matter what because Gen Z are so aware of these changes that need to happen. They want to feel some sort of purpose in the people they're, you know, supporting or working with or the fans of. Um, they want to feel aligned to that when it comes down to their values. And, and they are going to be the generation that's making this huge shift. And if the older generation or people who aren't open to it don't move with it, they're just going to get left behind. And, and that's kind of just the facts. And I think, so many people now are just like only passionate about supporting brands and things that actually align to their values. And if they don't align and and don't believe that what, you know, their beliefs of this brand or this person or this athlete or this team 
isn't kind of on par with their thinking, then they won't support it at all. And um, here's another, I'm just going to continue throwing these quotes out, but um, another really exciting quote around Gen Z. So Gen Z's preferences for engaging with individual athletes, more with individual athletes than teams and leagues point to a key disruption of this old model of how sport has been built and sporting media has been built. Gone are the days where fans of women's sports look to traditional media to learn about their favorite athletes and teams. Today's fans engages directly with their favorite athletes on social media, often creating new content that expands the narrative among other fans and bringing new fans a sense of community. This model embraces a different approach to the production of content with values at the center of what drives engagement. So for someone like, and we can chat more about particular athletes soon, but someone like a Simone Biles, who is, you know, the best of the best athlete at what she does in this entire world. She stands for so much more than just being an incredible physically performing athlete. Like she stands for mental health and making sure that females are speaking up when they don't feel comfortable. Um, You know, she is making so many changes for people beyond just like being this incredible athlete. And I think that really speaks to this fact that this media landscape is changing, the way people are interacting with their favorite athletes is changing. Um, it opens up a whole new world of how, how female sports in particular, but sports in general is going to change in the next like five or 10 years. Mm, it's so true. Even if I think about yeah, who I look up to the most, it's not really teams anymore. It's individuals who are acting in the way that I think is right in the world and standing up for things that that I'm really passionate about. And you just imagine the generation coming through here who have so much passion. And like you said, the way that they're thinking about athletes now is different. It's just going to change completely. And you're right. Teams that don't also have strong values. So for example, if you think about Netball Australia doing this deal with Gina Reinhart in the first place, a Gen Z person who loves sport looking at that is going to be like, what the hell? You know, this I do not support this brand. Why are they doing this? I don't think brands will survive in the sporting world if they don't align to values of of this voices coming through. And it's exciting because you don't really have to be the best athlete anymore. You could be, you know, pretty stock standard, but if you've got really strong values and you do some really cool stuff, like you're probably just going to have more of a voice than the best athlete, some of the best athletes in the world. It's so true. And I, I feel like we see that all the time, especially in athletics. Like I know some women who are, you know, good athletes they're not the best in the world but they have an incredibly strong voice they are really vulnerable on social media and they tell their story so well and that is what has grown their engagement and their fans I guess their fan base so we think about and we were talking about this um off air earlier you know in five or ten years I can see a world where female athletes are getting paid actually more uh, than male athletes because of this idea they're creating a voice for themselves and having more impact through social media. It's not to say male athletes aren't using social media, but women athletes are actually receiving higher levels of social media engagement, higher than men's sports um, typically receive with a relative follower size, which is pretty crazy. So I think it is that women just like are going to these platforms to feel like they 
know these athletes a lot better, feel like they're closer to them, become stronger fans of them. And then that will really pay off when it comes to when these athletes compete, having kind of that support of fans around them and, and that desire for people to actually tune in and, and listen and watch them, which is um which is really exciting for women's sport. I think who knows where we're going to be in another five or 10 years, but those brands and uh, sporting organizations that are clinging to that, I guess, traditional sports business model and, and traditional media channels are going to get left behind. <laughs> and I even had a conversation yesterday around the AFL a channel. I don't know what channel, maybe channel seven here in Australia has just signed like a four or five year deal with the AFL, you know, multi-million dollar deal. And I'm like, you know what, another four or five years, people might not even be turning on their TVs. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's a safe bet that they sign that deal. You think about the advertising that's been pushed through a lot of those uh, deals at the moment and the fact that Channel 7 are paying for that rights to AFL and they're going to make that money back through advertising. Potentially brands and companies who are spending money through advertising to push their products and their ad breaks might not actually be pushing their products and those ad breaks anymore because people aren't actually tuning in because they're turning to different platforms to watch female sport. That's obviously talking particularly about men's AFL. It's just could change the entire landscape, which I think is, is really exciting and the way that people are selling and buying products and there's a huge flow and effect from it. Let's jump into um, talking about some of the women that we're really, you know, big fans of who have created a voice away from the sport that they play and, and are making change for women, but everyone really in other industries as well. So we kind of chatted about Simone Biles and the fact that she, for those who didn't um, see or know her story at the last Olympics. She pretty much walked away from the competition on the mat floor because she wanted to protect her mental health. And it's something that, you know, even a few years ago would have been unheard of to have the best athlete in the gymnastic world just walk away. And, and the fact that she came out and was really vulnerable with her story and talked about the fact that her mental health was suffering was incredible. And I think the impact that had on Simone Biles was probably so much better than her actually just winning another gold medal, which sounds crazy. But I think the the effect that that had on the um, everyone that saw that, I think inspired so many more people to love her and support her than if she won another gold. That's so true. Yeah. It's like when you were talking before about the potential and highly likely possibility of women, you know, having a stronger voice than men and getting paid more in the future. I think it links back to what you said before about being open and vulnerable about things that, and I think this is why Femi's also done well is because of the vulnerability that all of the people that work at Femi have shown. And then also the woman that we've worked with, because the reason that Simone has done so well, apart from obviously being a phenomenal athlete, is that she's so open about struggles she's been through. And these are things that have been going on for generations and women haven't had a way of talking about it with other people. And now we're actually speaking out about these things that probably 95 to 100% of women have suffered with at some point of their life. And I think it's just this massive change and people are responding so much more to someone who is a good athlete, but also has 
a story and speaks about their story and inspires other people through their story and, and, and getting through something hard and battling. So I think another really important one, especially for running and for female, female runners is Mary Kane. I always think about her story and what she battled through with eating disorders and, and, and coaches and being forced, you know, to lose weight, similar to myself and your stories lids and and not having autonomy over her body and decisions about her body and I think so many runners and so many athletes relate to this one issue about body image and you know struggling with disordered eating habits and feeling we need to fit a mold with sport and there was that crazy statistic that we looked at lids about the 76 percent of high-performing athletes in New Zealand so they're under the high-performance sport New Zealand banner don't feel like they fit the mold of their sport and their body, which is insane. And it just shows like even the best of the best still don't feel confident sometimes in their bodies and that they, they fit the mold. So Mary Kane speaking about something like this and using her platform just changed the whole game for her because she was obviously a phenomenal junior athlete. And then the onslaught of getting sick and, and what follows from losing her period and pushing her body so far. She speaks about that so openly and it's a really common story. And that's why she's, you know, done so well and changed so many women's lives. And yeah, she's just amazing. And so many, so many people relate and that's why she's, she's done so well. Mm, yeah. It definitely like all stems from sport, but these conversations that these women is, women are having in a really like open way, is just, yeah, like you said, allowing women to connect to them closer. It's allowing them to feel like they can relate to them a lot better rather than just being high-performing athletes. Um, and it's allowing them to start these conversations that, you know, a lot of women be, would be really scared to talk about or have. So I think Mary Kane is incredible. I think another one we love is Naomi Osaka and very much like Simone Biles' story, she talks a lot about her mental health and pushing back on the norms of sport um, to protect her mental health. And I, I'm sure a lot of you are aware around Naomi's stance when it comes to talking to media post-match and, you know, when she's struggling with her mental health, not putting herself in a position that is actually going to impact her mental health in a really negative way. Um, so not going and doing those media interviews, which, you know, that is controversial in ways and people don't, there's a lot of people who don't love that she kind of made that stance. But I think for her, when it comes to female athletes and athletes in general, they are people at the end of the day, they have feelings and it's important to protect those feelings and their mental health, especially. So I think for Naomi to do that definitely inspired me and hopefully inspired many other women to push back on social norms that, you know, these systems have been set up by men that have been in place for forever. Um, why can we not just step in and be like, you know what, that's not right for me. Like that inspired me to stand up and speak, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. she definitely inspired me to like not do athletics track and field anymore because <laughs> it's like if she's not feeling good and she's pushing back on doing these things like why are we putting ourselves in those positions that we're not really enjoying it and I think that's just really inspiring like there's so many different forms of exercise so many different forms of running different forms of you know for her she's got so many opportunities with media coverage like why does she have to go and do this one thing that makes her feel really nervous and uncomfortable I just think it's really strong from her and yeah definitely very inspiring I think another one that is a crazy story and really sad but also incredibly brave is athlete a 
Maggie Nichols, the gymnastics woman who spoke out about the sexual abuse. Uh, I'm not going to say his name because he doesn't deserve to be spoken about, but the doctor of the team that was sexually abusing a lot of the athletes in gymnastics and the bravery that that took. Because I think it led her to not be selected for teams and the backlash and they tried to sweep everything under the rug, the rug, (laughs) the rug, but she kept pushing forward and, you know, she inspired all those other girls to come forward as well and got this guy to go to prison where he deserves to be for the rest of his life, but just incredibly brave. And that's something that would have been terrifying and she did it anyway. So I think that one's just like insane. She's an amazing woman. Yeah. I mean, like, for Gina Reinhardt to kind of come out and say that sport is, you know, not a powerhouse for change and we shouldn't be using it as a vehicle for social or political causes is complete bullshit because these women are speaking up about things that are so important. It's only going to make the world a better place if these women come up and speak and inspire other people to come out and tell their stories. Like for Donnell Wellam to come out and speak about, you know, the importance of pushing back. Um, when being put in positions that aren't comfortable, especially around racism and racist comments, like will inspire so many people around Australia and beyond to push back too. And we shouldn't be living in a world where racism is a daily norm. You know, it's so sad to see that. And so I think hopefully Jenna Reinhardt's really had a long hard think about like these comments she's made and the actions she's taken because sport is incredible at the way it can create change and for for these females connecting back to the conversation around the digital world we live in their own their voice is only going to get stronger and it's only going to drive more and more change and so the world of sport needs to keep up uh the world of uh, brands and companies and sponsorship deals and sponsors who are working with with athletes and with sporting teams they need to keep up and see this huge power that female athletes are having I think the last one we just wanted to quickly touch on which uh Esther and I obviously love is Catherine Schweitzer who is the female who ran the Boston Marathon the first woman to run the marathon and uh, when she entered that marathon, there was no men running marathons. Um, she actually got dragged off the course, but was able to continue and finish that marathon. And, you know, for us, we are so fortunate to have had feminists like her um, really take a hard stance in the athletic and running world to pave the way for us. So big shout out to Catherine Spitzer. Yeah, she's absolutely legend. <laughs> Thank you, Catherine. Uh, I, I think it's important, like, for people listening how can we make this change and how can we work together to really push this idea of women you know being at the forefront of sport and also also encouraging social change through our voices and standing up for what we believe in what do you reckon are some things that people or brands can focus on that's well, I think the first and most important thing is that we should be like encouraging female athletes to start the market. We shouldn't be shutting their voices down. Women shouldn't feel like they have to tip, tippy toe around conversations and keep people happy and fall into buckets, as we kind of always have always said. Um, like people, brands, sponsors, sporting organizations should be encouraging these female athletes to come out and speak because as we said, like the more they can relate to their audience and their audience can see their true values and where they lie, 
uh, their voice is only going to become stronger. And for sponsors, you know, the more people they're speaking to, obviously the better for you too. Mm. That's so true. We need to encourage it and we need to really give women a push up in their voices and like get behind them when they speak out about something. Donnell is a prime example. She probably wasn't particularly going after calling out Gina Reinhardt's company. She was just taking a personal stance and the reaction that she's got I know that she has had some backlash, which is bullshit, but most people are behind her. And I think, you know, it's come from a really genuine place from her and people can see that. And so we need to get around women who are coming and stepping forward like that. And I think the other thing that's really important, and I think it is changing now, is athletes realizing that they are a vehicle for change and their voice matters. And I think for a long time, we've sort of just like fallen in line, play a sport, you get this, you get that, whatever on a plate. But like what athletes need to realize is that we can make change. Like we generally, and like the the athletes of Netball Australia actually make the business. Like without those athletes, the people working for Netball Australia don't have a job. There's no opportunity for sponsorship. Like we need to realize that we have so much power as athletes. And that's what we were saying for Femi Theory, like call out your coach, call out your trainer. If you feel like they're not educated enough, like you have a voice, embrace it and just realize that brands and people that don't align to that, they're not right for you anyway. Like what's meant to be will be if you stay true to your values and you stand up for what you believe is right the right things will happen to you through who you work with, through your coaches, through people around you. I think it's just so important. Like we need to start calling things out and athletes need to embrace that. You know, we have so much power in the sporting world and we're not going to be shut up. hundred percent, especially as, you know, uh, the world of digital is continuing to grow and something that we have spoken a lot about today, but just like thinking about the world that we're going to be living in in another five and 10 years, what that will look like with this, I guess, rapid rise of this digital age, it's just going to give female athletes more and more power. It's going to give them more of a voice and we really need to embrace that or else people will get left behind. And I think this idea that sport is a tool for bringing people together and makes change naturally to societal norms, we can't silence athletes and and athletes are going to be a huge part to play in these changes to those societal norms, especially when it comes to gender equity and gender equality. And I think for all of us, men, women, and non-binary people, we need to kind of embrace that power of digital and give them that voice to encourage them to make those changes. Because if we can push, push back on those societal norms, then the the society that we all live in, no matter kind of what industry that you work in or are integrated into, will become a better place for everybody. So using that sport to be that tool to bring people together is really important. So important. And it's crazy, like, when you think about what Femi's trying to achieve and what so many brands are trying to achieve, like keeping young girls in sport, actually having women speak out about things they're going through or things they're passionate about or things that piss them off is it's encouraging young girls to stay in sport because a lot of the athletes who now have the strongest voices on social platforms, like we said before, aren't potentially the best athletes in the world. 
But what that does is it it highlights to young girls coming through that if you're just honest and speak about how you feel and you're confident in yourself, like you can have a massive voice and make change. And I think we've found from talking to a lot of junior athletes, like a lot of them don't really want to be that hyper competitive athlete. They might want to do sport just for fun and, you know, push their bodies pretty hard, but it, it encourages them to realize that sport is not all about results and performance. Obviously, you know, being good at sports kind of gives you a little bit more of an elevated channel, but what we're seeing now is the best sports people aren't always the ones with the strongest voice or the strongest following. It's the ones that are, you know, making change and disrupting the industry. So I think it just gives, it gives junior girls coming through a different type of inspiration and also like them realizing that sports so much more than just times and places it's 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 about what you believe in as well and what you stand for yeah and I mean like social media has given young girls the opportunity to actually see themselves in in female athletes you know that are doing well or have created a voice for themselves and we always say you can't believe it unless you see it and the fact that these young girls are able to actually see themselves on social media um, women who are playing all different sports like that's an incredibly amazing tool in itself, you know, for keeping young girls in sport. So we're really excited by that. And I think for us, like it comes down to the fact that, you know, Femi has been built on sport. We are successful because of sport and we've used sport to date as a tool to fight for these, like especially gender equality issues. Um, So all of these conversations are so close to our heart. And I think, again, like this idea that in sport we feel as females, the brunt of gender inequality, but we know it happens in all industries and and sport is going to be that that tool for hopefully a lot of us. And whether it's sport or just exercise, the fitness industry in general, like we can use this tool to grow confidence in ourselves to push back on a lot of these um, social issues and then hopefully make some changes in the future. I'll just finish up with this one final quote from this research paper which I think kind of summarizes everything we've spoken about. Those who are clinging to the traditional sports model would be well advised to see how women's sport, fans of women's sport and women athletes have used technology to disrupt the system that never valued them and in the process have created the path forward in this new digital age. So we're excited to be part of that. We're excited to be building technology that is appropriately made for females by females and hopefully will empower women all around the world to feel good in themselves through the act of sport and if you want to find out more about what we're up to definitely stay posted on our instagram at femi.co if you want to get in touch head to our website femi.co we are really really excited to have opened a seed round so we are raising at the moment to get some funds behind what we're building at femi if you are interested in investing into the company or you know someone that may be interested definitely get in touch with us um, on our website femi.co we would love to chat to anyone who is on this mission to make change for women around the world as well But uh, in the meantime, we will be back in your ears next week with a very exciting conversation. So stay tuned for that one. And thank you to everybody who has listened to us today. Thank you.